Now, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. All right, hello, people. Okay, so you know what today is, right? Today is Thursday. Yeah, it is. Which means tomorrow is Friday. Or Friday, depending on who you are. <laughs> Some of you people are like, yay, it's Friday. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's Thursday. And this also means, in case you didn't know, this is my last show. On a Thursday, as you guys know, next week we are starting our three-day-a-week instead of seven-day-a-week broadcast. So if you happen to be watching the replay and you, you like this episode and you want to watch us Monday through Thursday, sorry. Starting next week, it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And our new time is going to be 8 p.m. Central Time on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, okay? Starting July 5th. So I thought that we would end my reign at seven days a week doing this show with an awesome interview on servant leadership yeah and I have the guy for you today yeah I do he's he's super cute for an old guy anyway we are gonna talk to him it's gonna be great I'm looking forward to it as you guys know I pick super great people come on the show and uh, so do me a favor share the show out wherever the liberal platforms will let you you know, and then share it again, just in case some people didn't see it the first time you shared it, because we're going to talk to Dr. Ralph Enloe Jr. today, who has been in ministry over 40 years, people. Like, that's like most of my life and most of your lives, too, I'm sure, except there's a couple of you who are about his age. Yeah, you are, which means one thing, that you're going to like the book and you're going to like the guest. Okay, so here's the thing. The name of the book is Servant of All, Reframing Greatness and Leadership Through the Teachings of Jesus. Yep. And it's a really cute little book, too. It's little, it's cute, it's soft on the front. You can't feel it, but just saying, it is. It's soft. And look at that, half a king chair, half a, a hard chair, which we'll talk about later. And... The distinguished bio of my guest. Mm-hmm. So let me read this to you, people. Don't worry, I'm gonna read it. I'm not gonna read it all. <clears throat> but because I want you to know who my guest is, I'm gonna read it. Okay, Dr. Ralph Enloe, who is an author and a scholar. Yeah, he is. And he serves as the president of the Association for Biblical Higher Education. Previously, he served for 28 years as an educational leader at his alma mater, Columbia International University, mm -hmm. uh, culminating in a six-year stint as senior vice president and provost, a founding member of Global Associates for Transformational Education. He has been involved in international teaching and consulting 
in over a dozen countries. Yeah, he has. And now he gets to talk to over a dozen countries here on the internet on our show, which is super cool because there's so many of you in other countries. Yep. All right. So let me, let me tell you what else to see. Is that it? Okay. He wrote another book called The Leader's Palette. I think that's right. Seven Primary Colors. Did I say the word right? I have a problem mm -hmm. reading. I, you know what word I was trying to read earlier was hyperbole. <laughs> I just, I was practicing before the show, the word hyperbole. Because it just messes me up in my head. But anyway, here is the one of the topics we can discuss today. And here's the other thing, you guys. Put in your questions, you know, about greatness and servanthood and servantship and stuff like that. Because that way we can, we can talk about that stuff. But misunderstanding greatness in an age of hyperbole and cliche, what does it really mean? That's what we really want to know, people. Yeah, it is. We also want to know... Uh, what uh, social and mass media agenda setting and greatness, what do they have to do with each other? And if your brother offends you, how do you deal with offense? And how do you deal with an offense and a culture that's obsessed with it? That's part of the reason when I read this, I wanted to have Dr. Ralph Enlow Jr. on the show. Mm -hmm. So he came on and I just got done telling him my foot foot joke. <laughs> And he's still here. So, <laughs> so, so Dr. Enlow, welcome to the show. Glad you're here. <laughs> Thank you, Stacy. Good to be with you. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. So my audience has heard that foot foot joke numerous times. And, and I would love it if you told your joke now that you told me right before the show. So then we could start the show on a good foot. Oh, <laughs> now I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I meant to say uh, on the right foot, but I have to blame this on my brother. He posted <laughs> this on Facebook yesterday. Uh, the the uh, he was telling about the redneck who had a guest over for dinner, and the guest said, "What are we having for dinner?" And he said, "We're having Himalayan possum." And the guest said, "Himalayan possum? What's that?" He says, "Well, it's a possum. I found Himalayan in the middle of the road, and that's what we're having for dinner." Still funnier the second time around. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, how many rednecks does it take to eat armadillo? I don't know. How many? Three. One to eat and two to watch for cars. <laughs> there you go. Hey, there you go. You know what? I have never seen a living armadillo. <laughs> One of the things when I moved here to Tennessee, yeah. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I'm wildlife. I see wild turkeys, deer, yeah. stuff. Armadillo, the only ones I've ever seen have been dead. Yeah. True story. Well, come to my house. We'll show you some live ones. Really? Every once in a while. Yeah. I, I could tell you a long story about my wife capturing one, but we don't have time. No, you don't have time. <laughs> That's okay. Well, the audience started to laugh, but, you know, Sean told me to give the foot foot joke a boot. Yeah. Nice. Mm, yeah. Okay. All right. So... You said I could call you Ralph, right? You can, please. Okay. Yeah. Generally, I tell people they can call me a great one when I play pickleball. Mm -hmm. But yeah, well, I don't. Sure. I don't think it's appropriate in this context. We're talking. About, <laughs> we're talking about servanthood, and uh, when I was reading through the beginning of your book, because I just got it, 
Um, I was a little bit struck with all the all the ways that the word great is used in our culture. You want to talk about mm -hmm. that? Well, we use it uh, to talk about uh, sports heroes, about political accomplishments. Uh, they're the current occupant of the White House tends to want to use that word quite a bit. Um, and um, we use it to talk about TV shows and rock stars and you name it. And what all that has in common is that uh, it's all about comparisons. It's all about rank. It's all about status. And uh, it's uh, so opposite of the way Jesus uh, calculates and the way he uses the word and the way that the scripture talks to us about what it means to be truly great. So to be truly great is not a matter of rank. It's not a matter of relativity, comparison to other people and so on. It's a matter of uh, character. It's a matter of being um, a servant of all, not above everybody else, but in effect below everybody else. That's the biblical nature of greatness. Yes, I agree. <clears throat> if you talk to my friend Phil about how I play pickleball, he would agree mm. I'm below everybody else. Just so <laughs> he would. Yeah. He thinks he's great. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's let's get like let's talk a little bit about you cuz I I'm always curious about my guests, you know. Uh especially mm -hmm. especially my guests who've been, you know, who are older than me but have been in ministry and who've been saved a lot longer me than me. Mm -hmm. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Uh and so I had a very bumpy upbringing, let's just say it that way. Mm -hmm. Um and I really fell in love with apologetics when I became a Christian in high school uh, and just, you know, have a knack for, for this type of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm really passionate about the truth. But, you know, I have in my personal struggles with being in the church, I think because of the gifts God gave me, I've always felt like kind of like, don't other people get this stuff? You know, don't they understand that memorizing the Bible is important? <laughs> you know, and other mm -hmm. stuff. And so I just want to know a little bit about your background. Yeah, how did you come mm -hmm. to the Lord and how did this topic become so such, you know, such an interesting thing for you? Well, uh, unlike you, I had the great privilege of having a godly heritage. Uh, both of my parents were believers and they were children uh, of believing families. My father for a number of generations back as far as I can trace it. My mother's father uh, came to Christ as uh, a young adult and uh, subsequently was called into ministry. He was a pastor and a district superintendent and so on. So I came from a, a godly family, a family of godly heritage. Uh, my parents, before I was ever born, uh, prayed and asked that uh, the children that God would bless them with, would uh, love and trust him. And uh, they were very intentional about nurturing us in, in the ways of the Lord. So at a pretty young age, uh, in fact, I can never remember a time when I was openly rebellious uh, or skeptical about the things of the Lord. But at, at age nine, I responded to a gospel invitation in my home church, knowing that I was a sinner and needed the saving grace of Christ. I couldn't save myself. And so I trusted Christ and um, 
And very early on as a young person, I had a sense of God's calling on my life to serve him, uh, perhaps in missions, perhaps in ministry leadership and so on. Uh, I really at that time had no thought that it would be in the context of education. I subsequently learned that my my paternal grandfather was actually an educator, but I didn't know that. He died long before I was born, and uh, it was only after I was an adult that I learned that my paternal grandfather was an educator. But that's the ministry uh, sphere in which the Lord has called me, and so I've been more than four decades in that in that work. Yeah, see, that's so cool. I think that's so cool. You know, to be honest, I used to really be jealous of people like you that had that mm. godly upbringing. Yeah. Oh, I hated people. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, I was I was seriously jealous or envious. I'm not sure yeah. what the right word is, but my husband will tell me one yeah. of these days. Well, anyway. Well, I talk about jealousy and envy in the book, so we'll get to that later. But I'll tell you why. I, I was because I, I felt like... You know what? Here you people have been given the godly heritage and you're poo-pooing on it and don't understand the value of what you actually were given. And I, oh, that used to irritate me. And then yeah. it was Twyla Paris. I had, um, I had Randall introduce me to her music when mm -hmm. I was, you know, younger. And um, she did a song called, I think it's called 70 Years Ago. Mm -hmm. Have you heard this song? Is it 70 mm -hmm. Years Ago? You're mama's father or whatever anyway it's all it's basically about the heritage and it it occurred to me at that time that i needed to be thankful for yeah. people like you because all the testimonies that we hear of people coming out of these horrific backgrounds coming you know in the faith because they did all these dumb things which is usually the case and i'm i'm being serious, you know, the dramatic mm -hmm. testimonies. My testimony wasn't that way. I was being abused and the Lord just saved me through a friend in mm -hmm. high school. But there are those testimonies that seem to get glorified. But the people like you who are raised in the faith and you don't fall away, you don't do anything stupid and blah, blah. It's like you're like ignored, you know. And yet to me, that's kind of like the stability of it all. Like you, you have this stability that people want but they don't value it because they don't understand it at least that's where i was i get it mm -hmm. now would you agree yeah i'm i'm uh, blessed and privileged and i'm very thankful for my heritage um i'd be the first to tell you that i'm not without my issues and so on and so forth but uh i'm a blessed person in terms of uh what i've inherited and it means that i'm responsible for a lot doesn't it yep so as a leadership expert, you know, because that's what you are, right? Um, how did... uh, uh, expert is uh, <laughs> a little generous. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, you're a scholar. That's yeah. It says here I'm on the... A, which means student, by the way. So, okay. yes, I'm a student. Okay. Yeah. So a scholar, an author and scholar actually says it here. Okay. So you ended up in education, which is super cool. And... Mm. You know, and so you, but you kind of emphasized in leadership, right? I mean, uh -huh. okay, so how'd that happen? I mean, okay, you told me before <clears throat> that you're the firstborn of six, which that explains something. All the mistakes yeah. were made on you, and I'm surprised, well, I was going to say I'm surprised you're not a medical doctor, but you still are a doctor, well, so that makes that sense. that was one of my ambitions when I was a kid. Uh, I was, uh, I wanted to be a missionary doctor, a medical doctor, oh, and cool. uh, 
but then I found out about my lack of aptitude in chemistry and biology. And uh, so uh, about the time I was in high school, I figured out that that wasn't going to be my career path. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I've been an observer of ministry leaders really from my childhood on. My grandfather was a ministry leader. He was a district superintendent in a denomination. And uh, and so, and I admired him greatly as a man and as a leader. And I had the privilege and blessing to encounter a lot of other people in ministry leadership, both um, rather superficially in some cases, and in some cases a little bit more in depth. And uh, then particularly in college, uh, I was greatly influenced by a particular ministry leader, the person who became the president of my college, Columbia Bible College in those days, was a man named Robertson McQuilkin. And Robertson had been a missionary in Japan. Uh, his father was an educator, founded the college, and Robertson came back actually and hit the beginning of his presidency coincided with my freshman year in college so he started as president the same year i started as a student and um i had the privilege of watching him and working closely with him as a leader for 30 years 25 years almost 30 years i guess um in fact i joke uh with apologies to Bill Bright, you know, the four spiritual laws, God, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I joke that Robertson loved me and had a wonderful plan for my life. Aww. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he was what some would call a sponsor mentor to me. And uh, so I was a, a very careful observer of his leadership and, and that of others. And um, so that, uh, opportunity to observe godly leaders, good and bad. Um, um, and then the responsibility to teach courses on leadership over the years, um, <clears throat> over time led me to a lot of conclusions and observations, interacting with the Bible. What, what kind of a leader does God want? What are the attributes? of a leader. And one of the things you pick up very, very quickly in the Bible are two things. One is that leadership is a big deal in the Bible. One of my friends, uh, Steve Moore, has actually done an inventory of all of the leadership conversations in the entire Bible, where you can identify a leader, a follower, and a situation. And he's cataloged 1,050. Wow. Uh, leadership conversations in the Bible. So the so leadership's a big thing. At the same time, what the emphasis of the Bible is that um, leadership in God's eyes is radically different from the way we think about it in worldly terms. Um, Jesus even said, you know, uh, the Gentiles, the, the leaders of the Gentiles lorded over their subjects and then he says, not so among you, but uh, the leader among you would be one who serves. And that's a summary statement, basically, of the entire teaching of Scripture, that what God wants to say about human leadership is that it should be radically different from most of what we see practiced, most of what we experience, most of what we observe. Yep. So often 
leaders. Well, how do I say this? <laughs> Being tactful isn't my strong suit. I'm working on mm. it. But what I will say is that um, I'm in Christian ministry. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's just put this. <laughs> I mm -hmm. ended up doing this kind of as a, like a fluke. Okay. I'll just say that because the week I could tell you the story, you'd be like, really that happened. I'm like, yep, that's how it happened. And 15 years later, I'm still here. Having dealt with Christian media celebrities, a lot of high famous people that actually come on the show versus some that are too snooty to come on the show. Mm. <laughs> I'm just saying, I have seen some really interesting things and, you know, and demanding stuff. I mean, I've covered the National Religious Broadcasters Convention for many years. And, you know, as you know, that's like the number one big, huge Christian broadcasters thingy where all the celebrities mm. come in and they have to hide people. And, you know, it's interesting to see who wants to be treated one way and who will serve. And I, I will tell you one leader I have a high, high regard of respect for, and that's Kay Arthur. Mm. Yeah, I've met Kay. I know Kay. Mm -hmm. yep. Kay she is... wouldn't know me, really, but uh, I've known her for 30-plus years. Yeah. yeah, her work. Mm -hmm. You know, Randall and I, we went to uh, uh, Israel a number of years ago, mm -hmm. and we ended up on one of her tours. And I can tell mm -hmm. you that that woman... She epitomized servanthood on that tour. Wonderful. It was That's great. It was amazing, I swear. But then mm -hmm. there's other people who I won't name because I'm polite, who they expected the world handed to them on a platter. And it's kind of like, is that what Mark meant? You know, what, what we have here in Mark chapter, was it for Mark 9, nine mm -hmm. Mark 935. Anyone who mm -hmm. wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. You mm -hmm. know, glorifying megachurch pastors and things like that. And I'm not down on that per se, but I think often in our culture, that's all we see. And we don't see the little church pastor of the average church in America, which is under 100 people, right? Trying mm -hmm. to, to do the work, right? So mm -hmm. and my pastor, his name's J.C. Christian. Uh -huh. That is not a joke. It's the truth. <laughs> He's the pastor of a Baptist church here that we go to. Mm. And he, you know, the church is a couple hundred people, you know, and I know that guy goes to the hospital and, you know, he does all this other stuff. Randall and I went to a church once. It was a mega church. We were moving the, out of the area. We weren't leaving the church because we were mad at or anybody, but we were moving out of the area. We attended the church for years. So we wanted to say goodbye to the pastor mm -hmm. and he refused to see us. Mm. He had gotten a radio ministry and was just like, don't have time for you. You know, so I'm sure you could tell stories, but how can like those two examples like fit into what your book ha is about or do they? Well, I think uh, they illustrate the fact that uh, sadly, a lot of people in Christian ministry leadership lead and conduct themselves in ways that are completely uh, the opposite of what Jesus is teaching about leadership. And you quoted Mark 9.35, this little statement, um, the one who would be great among you should would be the least and the servant of all. Um, yeah, the, the story of ministry leadership down through history 
is pretty sad and sordid when it comes to the way ministry leaders too often emulate the worst of what the world has to offer. Um, and I mean, you can go all the way back in scripture, certainly Ezekiel 33, uh, where Ezekiel uh, is giving a pretty scathing indictment of the pastors of his day, uh, calling them false shepherds. And this is an image that Jesus then invokes in John chapter 10, when he talks about the Jewish leaders of his time. They're not really shepherds, they're hired hands, and they're there robbing and stealing from people. And so Jesus defrocks the clergy in effect. Uh, as one of the final gestures of his ministry. So it's been around for a long time, and we certainly see it in our day. <laughs> That's kind of an understatement, huh? Uh, yeah, mm. it is. So how do, okay, so then how do we, what do we do? I mean, how do we learn? Because, yeah. you know, I was talking to a guy, um, actually, he was a friend of mine at Pickleball, about your age, and um, and we, we it turned out that I, I he was a Christian, which I found out in his testimony. But I asked him, how did you become a believer? And he said, well, you know, it took a while because I was having a real hard time. And one day I was just so despondent, I decided to go to a church. And he shows up to this church. This is what he told me. He walks in and the pastor's hanging out, doing nothing, I guess. I don't know what he was doing. But the guy asked him, what, you know, here's my problem. And the guy said, the pastor said to him, um, go read the Bible and walked away. And that really turned the guy off to faith. Mm. And he told me it took many, many years before he would even go into the church again, you mm -hmm. know, and I, I, a lot of people tune into our show, they do not go to traditional church because of similar mm -hmm. things. And it's like, mm -hmm. how do we bridge that gap teaching people, look, people are like sheep, we're stupid, we're dirty, we're stinky, we have issues, you know, we need a shepherd to help us out, mm -hmm. versus, you know, doing it alone, you know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, in the, in the book, uh, the, the base, the big framework of the book is uh, two things. First of all, when that statement, that one sentence statement, that we often quote, you hear people quote it all the time, you know, the one who would be great among you would be the least and the servant of all. You hear even secular people quoting that statement. What they don't know is that it's based on, uh, it, it, it uh, is prompted by a series of events and conversations that the disciples are trying to have behind Jesus' back. And uh, finally, they're... Uh, after a series of events, he is back in his hometown in Capernaum, where where his headquarters is. And uh, he says, uh, excuse me, what was it that you were talking about back there on the road? They had been on a road trip for a couple of weeks. And they kind of sheepishly look around at one another, knowing that they're busted at that point. And uh, what they were talking about was who's the greatest? Right. That was the gist of their conversation. You know, uh, which one of us ranks more highly than the rest of us? Which one of us is going to get the perks and the privileges? Which one of us are we going to have to salute? And uh, is there going to be room in the cabinet for me kind of thing? And uh, 
there's a series of in the gospels there's a series of four events that look like they're circumstantially connected to that conversation so i talk about that in the first several chapters of the book and then jesus makes this one sentence statement you know the one who would be great among you should be the servant of all and then he goes on in the rest of matthew mostly in matthew 18 it's recorded to expound on what he means by that statement and and really there are six primary uh things that he expounds on in terms of the implications of what it means to be great so in addition to the exhortation the one sentence you know mm -hmm. the one that would be great should be the least and the servant of all there's really an exposition there that's saying okay well let me explain what i mean by being great and uh and so there again there are six uh principles if you will mm -hmm. uh that he elaborates on in all the rest of matthew chapter 18 actually one of them is recorded in mark uh, but it's a parallel passage to math to matthew so okay yeah so it turns out uh, the, the concept of greatness is a lot more nuanced and complex than most of us have thought about very much yeah just so you guys know, we just have we're having a massive thunderstorm right here. I don't know if you can hear the rain and the thunder, but hopefully the show won't die or anything. <laughs> oh, I hope not. We, the, I would expect that to be happening where I am, not where you are. Yeah, we've had some storms lately. It took down our our front yard tree. Oh boy. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So what I want to do, like, because it's the bottom of the hour, I'm going to take our little break here. But uh, you guys, if you guys have any uh, questions, you can go ahead and leave them. I don't know if anybody's on YouTube, Randall, but we can check over there, too. Um, yes. Yeah, somebody said Periscope's acting up, so that could explain some stuff. But uh, you know what, you guys? Look, this is the last time that I'm going to be able to say this on a Thursday. <laughs> At least on video. Uh, you know, we have a great sponsor. Ariel Ministries rocks. Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum, you know, founded this ministry years ago. And uh, Camp Shoshana is taking place soon, just so you know, July 7th through the 30th of August. And so if you guys know anybody who wants to go to camp, 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 I went to camp, then go to CampShoshana.com and uh, get them to sign up. And or, you know, you can go on Labor Day weekend, August 30th through something, September 2nd, I think is what I saw. Where am I at? There we are. <laughs> This <laughs> my husband's messing with me again. Live is the left, right? Okay, there's over there. Okay. <laughs> okay, anyway, if you want to go to camp, you can go to camp. And don't forget, you can use our special super, you know, coupon code Bible News. When you use the coupon code Bible News, you save 20% at arielministries.org. And don't forget, we're going through First Peter still, even... Though we're going down to three days a week, we're still going to do First Peter, and uh, you know you can get the materials there if you'd like. Also, if you want to become pillars of our community, people, yeah, you are pillars. <laughs> that was awesome the way you did that. You nailed it, Bareface. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, just you know, a pillar is somebody who donates to us. So if you guys want to donate to us, there's the link, BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give to your heart's content. You can do that over there. And uh, you want to be on our text message list? 
And why wouldn't you? All you have to do is text the term Bible News to 33222, and then every morning you'll get a Bible verse taken out of context, sent to you from me. <laughs> yeah, you will, because it's too short to put the whole chapter. But maybe I should start putting the link, and then you can read the whole chapter, because uh, that's important. Um, you can do that, and, uh, and also you can respond to my texts too. Where's, okay, I'll get your questions good. Some people are asking some questions. That's good. Okay, so you guys know that. Um, also, if you, if you, uh, do you need a will, people? Do you? Because I think we all do. And Legal Shield is the best place to get one because it's only $24.95 a month. Uh, you can get your will done, your advanced directives, all that stuff. Most of you guys are older audience, so, you know, you guys need it. All I got to do is go to bit.ly forward <laughs> That didn't come out right. Yeah, hey, you guys need a will because you're going to die soon. That's I may as well have said that, right, Dr. Enlow? <laughs> anyway, you can go to bit.ly forward slash LOJ2019 and learn more. Uh, and you can also sign up for identity theft protection as well. I got to tell you, if you're in my state of Tennessee, one of the things that... Um, you need to know July 1st going into effect is the no hands held. You cannot hold your cell phone anymore in your hand, no matter what. If the key is in your ignition and on, and you have the phone in your hand, you can get a ticket if a cop busts you, just so you know. So that's a reason for you to get ID shield and legal shield, because then you can submit your ticket to the law firm and they can help you out. Nailed it. But if you're one of those people who's like, hey, I never break the law. I'm perfect in all my ways. I would never do that. Just remember that tons of other people break the law. It's a sinful nature. People just can't help it. So you might want to protect yourself from those evildoers instead. <laughs> okay, so go to bit.ly forward slash LOJ 2019. All right. Yeah, it's been the law in Illinois for a couple years. Yeah, well, in California, it's been the law for a long time. And even though Oprah tried to get everybody to put her your cell phone in the back seat or in the trunk so you don't touch it, Tennessee is a little bit behind, just so you know. I mean, at the banks, they still have those things, those cylinder things that come through the vent thing that come through. And I'm like, that was like from the 90s. Like, what the heck? I moved here <laughs> six years ago. And I when I saw that, I was like, who manages Tennessee? It's Pennsylvania law too? Okay, well, there you go. Anyway, so that's the announcements. Remember, tomorrow's Free For All Friday. It's going to be our last show on a Friday at 4 o'clock. We're changing our new time to 8 p.m., people. Central time. Yep, you do too? All right. All right. Okay, so today our guest, in case you came in late, I know a couple of you just did. I shall reiterate my guest his credentials, Dr. Ralph Enlow, author and scholar. Yeah, he is. And he serves as the president of the Association of Biblical Higher Education, which you could go over to abhe.org or abhe. You know, you can go there and check it out. Actually, we should talk about that too. He served for 28 years as an educational leader at his alma mater, Columbia International University, and was... Uh, senior Vice President and Provost, a founding member of Global Associates for Transformational Education, and he's been involved in international teaching and consulting in over a dozen countries, and he wrote this new book. <clears throat> this is it called Servant of All People. 
Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, I forgot to ask you, Ralph. What's What about the cover? Did you have anything to do with the cover? No one of the staff members at the publisher came up with that visual concept. I loved it the minute I saw it because it's so it's so uh, aptly illustrates the, the essence of the book. But it's uh, true. Yeah. Did I miss anything in your bio that you want to highlight? Well, I'm married to Valerie for 42 years, which says a great deal about the character of the woman that God gave me as my partner and friend. Yeah. And we have two adult children, ages 40 and 38, each married. Aww. And uh, each has a four-year-old granddaughter. We're headed to California tomorrow to see one of them. Aw, well, cool. I hope you have fun. We fully intend to. <laughs> Are you going to go to Disneyland? Take her to Disneyland. Oh, we've got Disney World here in Florida. Why oh. would we? No, this, we're, we're going to Northern California, oh, not Northern. Southern California. Go over the Golden Great Bridge then. Something like that. Take yeah. her to Alcatraz. Yeah, no, she's she's <laughs> yeah. too young for Alcatraz, but yeah. although Alcatraz is is kind of fun, I've only been there once. Yeah. That was enough, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just a rock, pretty much. Yeah, I just got out myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So I have some questions that came in from the little disciples in our audience that watch us. So let's see here. I'm going to go back here. Okay, I'm scrolling through here. All right. Okay, Sean. He wants to know if you can quickly tell us the six points in his book. And yeah. it, is this a book for kids or adults? God loves you wants to know. Yeah, I would say it's, it's primarily a book in which in my mind, the audience is adults, uh, perhaps young adults, people that are just emerging into ministry, uh, ministry leadership, or, or some people that have been in ministry a long time that are reassessing what it really means to be a leader in God's kingdom and so on. Um, so uh, in fairness, it's probably not a kid's book. There's, there's nothing PG rated about it. It's just probably not going to connect with where they live. The six points are this. So again, the, the book is basically arguing that, um, yeah, we can quote the statement, you know, the one who would be uh, the greatest among you should be the least and the servant of all. But, okay, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? Jesus spends the next chapter uh, in Matthew and parallel passages outlining six things. And very quickly, those six things have to do with, first of all, he calls a little child. Uh, and he sits that child down from him and he says, you need to become like children and you need to welcome children. And the idea there is that, uh, you know, the world's way of seeing greatness is that we know we're great by uh, our independence and our self-efficacy. Jesus says, no, no, true greatness is not about independence and self-efficacy. It's about dependence um, and God dependency in particular. And we know we're great on the basis of you know, if we're on the A-list and we know all these famous, rich and famous people or whatever, Jesus says, no, uh, the way you tell somebody's great in biblical terms is not uh, what they do about the, the big people, but what they do about the little people that can't do anything for them. Yep. Um, so that's sort of point number one that he makes. And then um, the, the narrative picks up in, in Mark's gospel where John says, well, okay, then. 
we saw some people trying to cast out demons in your name. Uh, should I, should we call down fire from heaven? <laughs> kind of, you know, have them zapped. And Jesus says, no, uh, because that kind of an attitude really is indicative of envy, which is a, a real poison. Yes, envy and, actually and kills. Yeah. There, there's, there's actually a verse in Acts that actually talks about how so-and-so was envious and he went out and killed somebody. Right. So I studied right. it because I was struggling with it. That's how I know that, but right. carry on, teacher. So, uh, so envy is a hugely poisonous thing and it, it infects a lot of ministry leaders. And so Jesus says, no, we, you're not judge and jury over other people and their ministries and so on. There's not competition between ministries. Um, you answer to me, I'm the judge and let me be the judge of other people. Go on about your business. And so when you see a ministry leader whose primary disposition is competitive, disparaging of other ministries and so on, you're looking at a ministry leader who hasn't yet fully understood and embraced the way of Jesus in terms of greatness. So the third thing uh, is to do with the, the tendency of leaders to engage in things that are exploitive and self-indulgent. Here's the passage where Jesus is talking about, you know, if you're, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. If your right eye offends you, uh, pluck it out. And of course, the word offend there is stumbling block. Um, and the idea is uh, if, if your right eye or your right hand would be a cause for you to stumble spiritually, you should take radical measures. And specifically there, he's talking about the tendency of leaders to be involved in exploitation and involved in self-indulgence. Um, and uh, so leaders who, for example, tolerate sin in their lives, they, and they're self-indulgent about their own integrity, about their own spiritual habits, and so on and so forth, Jesus is saying, by way of hyperbole, he's saying, look, even if your right hand, you ought to cut that off. It's too dangerous. Uh, so a great leader cuts those things off. Quickly, the other three, um, one has to do with priorities. Uh, true godly leaders have the same priorities that God has. They're aligned with his priorities. And what's God's highest priority? The fact that people are lost and need a savior. It's easy to get lost in the celebrity of leadership and forget what God's agenda is. Yep. Uh, fifth is the thing that you brought up earlier about offense. Um, the passage that we often quote, Matthew 18, 15 to 18, you know, if your brother sins against you or whatever. Uh, and a lot of people use that basically as a methodology to try to deal with interpersonal offenses. But in the context of spiritual greatness, that's not what that passages about at all. It's basically saying you ought to care enough about people that you would go to great lengths to rescue them from their own uh, error and for their own from their own peril. And, and uh, you do that humbly by going to them privately and pleading with them that uh, but you if they refuse, you take it up a level. Uh, and be, not because of you, not because they offended you, but because of the risk that they're in. 
And then you get into the subject of forgiveness. And that's that whole passage where Peter brings up the question about how many times should we forgive? Yeah. Well, that passage is an answer to the question, what does greatness mean? Mm. And, and Jesus is simply em- emphasizing that great leaders are forgiving leaders. They're great. They're, they're lavish in forgiveness, which is something you don't often see in ministry leaders. They can be rather unforgiving sometimes. Yeah, they can. I can be rather unforgiving sometimes, can't I? Yep, we all can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm. You know, I just took notes. See, there you go, right there. <laughs> I'm taking notes from you, teacher. I should write a book. Yeah, you should. Oh, I did. Okay, <laughs> all right. That's how we were brought together. Wonderful. From the publisher to Bible News Radio. Okay. That was awesome. Okay, so there's there's some more questions here. Melanie wants to know, where is the best place to get your book? Uh, you can get it at uh, lexampress.com, or you can get it at, on Amazon. Uh, it's available for sale. I think uh, the official release date is next week. But uh, if you go to Amazon, I know it's there. I've seen it. Yeah, I did too. Um, I, I assume it'll be in some Christian bookstores, but there's not a whole lot of Christian retail out there anymore. So you're probably going to have to get it online. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. And if it? you if you have trouble, write me. My my email address is just uh, first name dot last name. So Ralph dot at A-B-H-E dot O-R-G. Or president at A-B-H-E dot org will work, too. OK. So you guys got that? Are you on Facebook? Do you like to do you like people to follow? I am not, but uh, our our organization at ABHE is on Facebook. They are okay. Yeah. So you're one of the old geezer types that doesn't want to be on Facebook. Uh, okay, guilty as charged. <laughs> what? You have a life outside of the internet? <gasps> yeah. The horror of it all. <laughs> no, that's a good thing. You know, Facebook—they're trying to rule the world with Google. Just, yeah. just yeah. so you know. Okay. All right. So do, do any of you guys out there have any questions for this doctor here? Huh? Do you? What am I bad? Well, you know, I'm a doctor, but not the kind that can do anybody any good. Yeah. Well, so. yeah. I thought about it. thought about being a doctor, but I thought, nah, it's too much work. Get a it headache. is a lot of work. Yeah. So what, what would you say? I have a question about... Um, about leadership leaders today. That didn't come out right. I know what I mean. Okay, so there's people like John Maxwell, who's a well-known leader, mm-hmm. business leader. Mm-hmm. Well, he was a pastor, then business leader, and then kind of mm-hmm. sort of sort of back pastor anyway. He's very popular. Um, mm-hmm. You know, who are some people that, that pe- if people want to learn more about leadership besides from you, which, you know, would be awesome because mm-hmm. that's why you're on the show and John Maxwell isn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, I only just heard about John Maxwell like two couple years ago. So yeah. I, I always, this is my philosophy and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a snooty type philosophy I have, but my philosophy has always been if somebody's super famous and the, and everybody knows who they are, I don't want anything to do with them, which sounds, uh-huh. sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. True story. I mean, that sounds horrible, but I... I don't tend to follow the normal, like, oh, my gosh, there's so-and-so, and and I want to kiss their feet type philosophy. So, I mean, obviously, the Bible is our first book on leadership, correct? Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Good answer. I think so. But uh, there's there's a lot of good sources of really good stuff out there. I mentioned uh, earlier my friend Steve Moore, who has done a study of all the leadership conversations in the Bible. Maybe that was before we went live, but no, you uh, did. he has a website called BibleCenteredLeadership.com. Just the words BibleCenteredLeadership.com. Okay. And there's a huge treasure trove of leadership study resources out there that are sort of studying the biblical text itself. Uh, he's got a book called The Top Ten Leadership Conversations in the Bible. Okay. Uh, uh, John Maxwell is very widely known and deservedly so. He's a tremendous communicator, a dynamic individual. Um, I think he's more of a communicator than he is an original thinker. Uh, he's been very influenced by Ken Blanchard and others in the realm of leadership, but he's really a good conceptualizer, and um, you can learn a lot from him. One of my favorite uh, Christian books on leadership is by uh, Richard and Henry Blackaby. Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, some good stuff out there, yeah. Yeah, I I uh, connected with, with uh, Richard on Twitter many years ago. Uh-huh. After his Good. dad died, so after Henry mm -hmm. left the earth. But, okay. Let's see. All right. So, in your opinion, like in your book, you know, let's just tackle one of these topics. We got 10 minutes. <laughs> you only got 10 minutes, mister, to tackle the world's yeah. problems. Okay, so the leaders who exploit, uh, who exploit you know, and do in self-indulgence. What are some signs of that? I mean, I know that sounds like a basic question, but maybe some people don't know. Uh, again, I think the disposition of the leader, it, it, it manifests itself in all kinds of different forms, but basically the message, the subliminal message that they're sending is, you work for me, what can I get out of you? Uh, rather than the, the message, uh, wait a minute, I'm a leader. My job is to work for you, is to, get, is to give to you everything you need to become everything that God has designed you to be and to uh, bear the fruit that God has designed you to bear. So uh, when I'm, you know, in, in an organizational setting, you know, you've got superiors and subordinates yes. uh, on the organizational chart but it's inverted in god's uh economy okay. if i'm the president of abhe my job is to serve everybody in abhe not to exploit them for my benefit for right. the sake of my reputation for the sake of my convenience for the sake of my financial gain for the sake of my uh celebrity okay so contrary I'm, there's a couple of big names in ministry that recently have come out and mm -hmm. clearly they were exploiting people, but okay. So Jesus, when Jesus washed the disciples feet, that's what most people think about when they think about servanthood. Mm -hmm. um, there would be some people that there'd be no way they would ever dare touch somebody else's feet like that. I mean, mm -hmm. in the literal sense, yeah. they would never do that. Yeah. Um, you know, but how can we, follow Jesus's model in mm -hmm. the normal everyday life of activity. 
then. Yeah. Well, one illustration I quote in the book is about D.L. Moody, who lived in the late 19th century. Um, there was They have a pastor's conference in Massachusetts. He had a, a conference center there in Northfield, Massachusetts. And they had all these pastors from England that came over for this conference. And uh, it came evening time and they all put their muddy shoes outside their doors because the custom was in England. You left your shoes outside your door and a servant boy would come and clean them and shine them and they'd be ready for you in the morning. Well, this wasn't England. It was Massachusetts and there was no servant boy. Unbeknownst to the pastors who were at that conference, Moody saw that they had done that and he went and collected all the shoes and shined his shoes. And the pastors were, the, were none the wiser for it, except that one pastor saw what he did. And so it got contagious. And from then on, one of the other pastors shined everybody's shoes the rest of the time. Well, that kind of servanthood is contagious in a leader. Um, so uh, it can take many forms and many expressions. I think you'd have to know the specific context. But most of us can recognize in ourselves the temptations that we have to, to exploit the rank that we have over other people, exploit the perks, exploit the advantages, rather than looking for ways to turn it upside down gotcha. and say, don't let me be a taker. Let me be a giver <clears throat> to you. Yep. I, I believe that. I really do. Well, you know, I can tell you that... Um... You know, I just started selling Legal Shield, which, you know, is a direct selling company. And, mm -hmm. you know, I have associates who are, you know, who've signed up under me, right? So mm -hmm. I'm I'm the sure. I'm the I'm the great You're the boss. Yeah, yeah I am. you're the boss. Yeah, I am. Aren't I people out in the audience? <laughs> Many of them are in my audience anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I bring this up because I'm like a new leader. <laughs> somebody yeah. told me recently it was like two years ago or three or four years ago <clears throat> they were like you're a leader you have no clue and i'm like what and who am i leading and they're like uh hello you have this show blah blah you're doing this stuff etc blah blah and i'm like okay whatever yeah. you know i mean so it's kind of like people like me who just are clueless that we're kind of situational leaders. We don't even realize it. And now yeah. all of a sudden it's like, Oh my gosh, now I'm in this situation. What do I do? You know, that's kind of where I'm at. That's another mm -hmm. reason I wanted to read your book. Cause I was like, okay, I got to figure out this stuff. You know, yeah, if John Maxwell, uh, <laughs> one of, one of his really good quotes is if you think you're leading and nobody's following, you're just out for a walk. Right. I read um, that. <laughs> So, yeah, it, leadership is not about your position. It's about your influence. Well, so my question is, those of us who don't want to be leaders like me, yeah. like, how do we stop being a leader? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, do you stop following me? I mean, yeah. seriously, there's kind of that, yeah. that reluctant leadership thing. Like, why are sure. you following me? I don't even know. Like, bareface, same thing. People listen to him for whatever reason, and then they, you know, they follow. Mm -hmm. Is that more Christ-like, or is it just like two people completely clueless, like this is what's going on? Yeah, well, in some ways, uh, almost all of us have somebody following us True. in the home or wherever else, so it's probably inescapable. <sighs> At the same time, I'd much rather follow a leader who's reluctant than one who feels entitled. Well, that's good. Well, that, me too. I mean, that's what I would. 
because there's some people out there who are like hey look at me i'm so great and i'm like uh, yeah. no you're not you're really not that great you think you are but you're really not uh my dogs follow me everywhere you know mm -hmm. it's like the guy that was talking to his wife after he gave a spectacular sermon and he went back to his wife and said um who do you think are how many people do you think think that i'm maybe the greatest preacher of our generation and his wife said one less person than you think <laughs> there you go right there so so true people all right well hey we only have a few minutes left so now is your opportunity to let people know you know anything else you want them to know are you frozen no. Am I frozen? Oh, you're I don't know. Oh, no, you were just so still. I thought you like, I yeah. thought the screen froze. So I wasn't sure. Well, at my age, I tend to nod off. So, <laughs> Like my dad. He does snap <laughs> frequently. Yeah, where was I? No, I just, uh, <laughs> I, I guess the main thing I want you to know is that um, I'm your brother in Christ. I love the Lord. I love his word. And if I could be of help to you in any way, I'd be happy to do that. Cool. And so they get in touch with you by... They can use the ABHE website or my, uh, there's a contact form there, abhe.org, or they can write to me at ralph.enlow at abhe.org. I, I dare and you guys to write Ralph. I dare you. I dare you. I double dog dare you. I do. Sean will write you. Okay. I think so anyway. <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's see if there's any like uh, final comments from people that came in. Hey, Joey Giggles. Joey Giggles is is uh, greater on Periscope than me. He's got the gold yeah. star. Me, lowly, oh. lowly little brass star. <laughs> uh, we should not coronate anyone great. Let God do it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. See, Sean just said he would. Agree. Uh -huh. Agree. I agree. All right. Okay, I'm going to ask you an A-list guest question, okay? Because <laughs> it goes against everything we just talked about. Because, you know, talking about greatness and stuff. Yeah. A-lister, Dr. Enlow, A-lister, that's what you are. Yeah, you are. Okay, so ready for your A-list guest question? Uh, no, but go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so do you like eggs? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. You do? Okay. I'm curious, like, when you eat eggs, what do you do with the shells? I'll put them down the disposal. Ah, you are a man after my own heart. Ah, you what are. can I say? Yeah. See, why? Why do you do that? Uh, <laughs> because I don't eat them. <laughs> I don't. And they're not, as far as I know, they're not good for composting. But my wife could tell you better. You would not believe the controversy that has erupted on this show over this question. <laughs> Is that right? Yes. Which came first? <laughs> Sorry, the egg or the controversy? I think it was the controversy. No, I don't know. Okay, all okay. right. Do yeah. you rearrange the eggs in your carton? Like when you take the no, eggs out? No, I don't do that. No. I, believe. I think I, I think I'm being analyzed now. No, no, no. So I'm seriously because so many people will like they'll take them out systematically. Yeah. Now I yeah I'm pretty I'm pretty much of a 
systematic kind of person. I'm a clean desk guy. I'm an organizing every a place for everything, everything in its place, but I'm not as extreme as rearranging the eggs in the carton. Good to know. I don't, I don't go that far. All right. That's good. You're a good egg. This, oh, you know. nice. Yeah. You didn't see that coming, did you? I got a feeling you're a cracked egg, but that's another discussion <laughs> altogether. <laughs> that's good. All right. See, they all laughed. Well, good. You're full of yolks anyway. So. I am. <laughs> you saw that coming, didn't you? I didn't. That's why it's funny. <laughs> but I probably would have. But anyway, all right, everybody. Hey, you know, I hope you guys had a good time watching the show, but even more so, I hope you go out and get Dr. Enloe's book here. I really do, because it's, it's cute, it's little, it's easy to read, and you're going to learn a whole bunch of biblical stuff, which is why we spent a whole hour with him, torturing him with bad jokes and stuff. But, you know, getting down to the brass tacks people. <clears throat> Go get the book, Servant of All. Look at that cool cover right there for the book cover alone. You should get it. All right. And don't forget, tomorrow is Free for All Friday. Yeah, it is. We may be tearful. We may be joyful. I'm not sure yet. But what I do know is that we'll be back. Okay? So people, remember, as I always say at the end of every show, be bold, stand up, and go with God because he loves you. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank <laughs> you.